0: Can I just say that was probably the best first session of a day conference I have ever been to. I mean, better than coffee to wake me up, because it was hilarious. So, um, so yeah, so we just want to bring Lisa back up for um, the next session before we have a bigger break. Um, so let's welcome Lisa. Thanks. And bigger meaning, I think we're going to get 10 minutes next time, you guys. So it's going to get, oh, 15. OK, things are going to get crazy. All right. OK, these next two sessions are going to be down and dirty. This is going to be a lot of, we just finished talking about identity. And I will say that if you do not know your identity in Christ and have embraced it and are living it out, everything else I'm going to share is just tips and tactics and is going to be generally worthless to you. But knowing who you are, having confidence in yourself and in your relationship with Christ, there are still, believe it or not, you can be a solid believer and still be completely screwed up dating, okay? So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm hearing, I'm seeing some hands testifying um, from those of you who are either dating now or are married and are just like, thank God someone married me because I don't know if I could be in this fray uh, at this point. So I um, This is a fun talk that I love to give. This is no joke. I call it five reasons your love life's a disaster doesn't exist. These are the five... I mean, there there are a number of ways that we can really mess up our dating lives, guys. There are a number. Um, But these are the five biggest offenders that I have found. Now, lest you think I come up here on my high horse and uh, tell you, I'm going to sound... These next two sessions, I'm going to sound very preachy. So I'm going to give you... um, I'm going to give you a heads up on that. I get preachy because, and I tell people this with the, with the dating manifesto, that book is everything I wish I had been told in my 20s and wasn't. I was not told it by the church. I was not told it by my parents. I was not told it by my peers. I went to a Christian college, you guys. I dropped thousands of dollars, assuming I would find a mate, and I came out single, okay? <clears throat> um So, we're gonna talk a lot of tactics. We're gonna get down and dirty. We're gonna be just, I'm gonna put it out there. Like I said, if you're not offended, then you're not listening. Um, These are the five biggest offenders. I have committed every single one of them, okay? So, um, I speak from experience in these. And so, um, but I always like kicking off this session with, um, you know how, like, uh, people when they speak, especially like married, like I, I, report to the vice president of marriage, at focus on the family. Like if that's not God, just like seriously, Lisa, here you go. He talks to me about it every day. Um, but he has, when he speaks and sometimes he and I have spoken uh, together at the same conferences, he always kicks off his talks with this photo of his family. And it's like they're outside on this vintage sofa and they're all wearing these matching Tommy Hilfiger outfits. And you're like, of course you are. And they have, their, they have one adopted child from China. So that's super awesome. Um, so I'm like, here you are with your awesome kids who are doing great things for the Lord. And you have your adopted child. So you did good. Did good there. You adopted. OK. Um, and you all look super cute and stuff. And then I go up. And I like to, uh, I like to share my family photo. <laughs> Um, <laughs> when, I crossed, uh, when I crossed the 40 mark, and I have, though I know you're all shocked, you think I'm like 26, 27, whatever, it's all good. Um, I had a friend send this to me, and I was like, oh my word, this is like my family photo. Now... <clears throat> I'm going to be honest, I've actually never owned a cat. And I don't really... I'm not a cat lover. I have friends that are cat lovers. I have a friend who like writes on Facebook conversations with her cat, and I'm like, you will remain single, basically. <laughs> um, so this is just... This is an extra tip for you women. Um, I fully... I I'm okay with cats, but I have to stick to a two-cat maximum, ladies. <laughs> Any more than two cats. And I... I will, not, I, I will not defend you. I'm just going to be honest. I will not defend you. So keep your one little kitty or your other one. I want to get one of those little pigs. I want to get one of those little purse pigs and just carry it around. Oh, my goodness. Do you have a pig or you just want one? We're going to go find this. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I just want the one that I can carry in my purse and bring around. Like not one that's actually going to walk around the house. <sighs> Anywho, that's another talk altogether. We'll get into that maybe at a, another date. Um, anyway, so there's my there's my cat friends. Um, but I think there is this assumption that, like, Lisa, why are you still single? What's wrong with you? What's your problem? Um, well, here's part of my problem. That is my mom. That's precious Dorothy. Um, So like I said, she was in her 40s when she had me, so she is now 88, and she has a pretty moderate to heading towards severe dementia. And uh, it's going on two years that she has lived with me, which um, I'm going to talk about that a little bit this afternoon, and that'll probably be a full-on tear fest for me, because that's where I'm living right now. Um, But all that to say, if any of you want to follow me on Facebook, I share things that my mom says, which are awesome, because my mom was always pretty direct. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, but now without a filter, she is in crazy town. I mean, it is like, yeah. I've, um, I've heard some interesting bits of advice from her. I always tell my friends that if you need to be rebuked or you need a reality check or you need something, you just schedule some time with my mom and she's gonna, she's gonna deliver for you. Um, but my mom met my dad at seminary. Uh, back in the uh, 50s, early 50s. And no joke, um, she met him in school, locked eyes on him, uh, stalked him at a few basketball games, went to a senior banquet, and they got married. And she's like, Lisa, this is not that hard. This is not, like she will come after me, like with her story, like it's supposed to translate to my story. And I'm like, mom, it is not like that anymore. You don't just do that. You don't just, and she's like, pfft. She doesn't even have time for me. She's convinced that I get all these offers of marriage and I'm just turning them down left and right. Like there's just like every day it's like an onslaught, you know, and oh, you know, will you marry me? Will you marry me? No, no, I can't. No, not you, not you. Not quite the case. Um... But it shows to you we are in a totally different era. We are in an era right now where it was not, I mean, people came out of World War II. My dad was in World War II, and they're just like, well, I guess I better get married. I mean, it was just the next assumptive thing. Or you maybe did some school, you know, you fought in a war, you, uh, you know, worked on the family farm, whatever, and you added marriage because if you didn't add marriage, you were like a weirdo outcast. Like all your friends were married. Even my sisters who are, they're considerably older than I am. So I had a sister that got married like in the late 70s. Um, she, she was like, Lisa, when I was growing up, it's like you were in the college group and then the young marrieds group. There was not like this you know, single people who speak French and ride Harleys, like all these <laughs> specified you know, small groups that you can join for all these different preferences. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, that's so true. But it's just not my experience. It's super weird. So so mom and I have a lot of uh, interesting conversations. Uh, Fewer now, of course, but um, we did. And in fact, uh, uh, just to illustrate mom's awesomeness, one of my favorite classics of mom is uh, my nephew. Um, Yes, because I have a nephew of marrying age. Um, He got his girlfriend pregnant. And they had a little girl, Morgan. And when Morgan was two and a half, they got married. And uh, when my mom heard about the pregnancy, she was just like slain. She's like, oh my goodness, you know, her world just ended. Like, what is, what's happening to our family? And this woman is just getting her claws in him and, you know, like thought she was some kind of gold digger. And I'm like, mom, Matt can barely hold a job. So let's not try to give him, (laughs) let's not give him too much credit here, okay? but she was just so devastated. But in two and a half years' time, she warmed up to Melissa and ended up liking her. And so she went to the wedding. And we're all standing around at the reception, which was outdoors, and we're in little clusters. And mom just says philosophically, you know, that was really a beautiful a beautiful wedding for two fornicators. <laughs> and my sister and I... One of my sisters and I, who tend to be, we're our family cleanup crew. We're like, we go into moat. We're like, who heard that? What do we have to clean up? What do we have to explain? What do we have? Who even says the word fornicator anymore? Oh, my mom does. My mom does. So, um, good times. Good times with Dorothy Anderson. So, I don't have fornication as one of my five things in this talk. Um, but let's be honest, it could be. We're gonna walk through five reasons your love life's a disaster or doesn't exist. The first one is you are waiting for the one. How many of you have heard talks on the one? Um, You have read books on the one, you have read blog posts on the one, or you've just talked to married people who are like, oh, thank the Lord that he brought to me the one. You know, like it was there. Were, you somehow there was like a catalog involved, and you made the right choice, and you got free shipping and whatever. Like it's the one. Um, this idea of the one. Two thirds of Americans believe in soulmates. Believe it or not, that's a that's a huge percentage. Two thirds. Um, so this concept of, of soulmates, this idea of the one, is extremely prevalent. Um, but we know, and of course, this is a little bit different in the church, people argue, in the culture at large, the divorce rate's about 50%. Um, in the church, depending on how you parse it out, a little bit less. But, but sadly, you know, divorce is in the church as well. So if you're doing the math, if all these people are marrying the one, why are so many people divorcing? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I see we have an engineer or a mathematician out here. That's good. <clears throat> Someone was able to put that put that together. The numbers just don't add up, and are we that bad at picking potential spouses? Well, I like to make the case um, against the one because I think it is super... I, I think it's just nuts for two reasons, and it's, they're actually polar opposites, the reasons that play into this. The first is... If you're thinking of looking for the one, it's going to absolutely paralyze you. You will not make a choice because what if you make the wrong choice? So, you know, this person's great, this person's great, I met them in small group, Mm, but she plays guitar. I love the guitar, so what about that? You know, Um, this one's a preschool teacher, that's so sweet, she's gonna be great with our kids. So we don't choose because there's always, um, there's gonna be a collective groan here from the women when I talk about online dating because we all know women that there are like five guys online in the world and then there's like 25 million women and these guys get matched with like 500 women and they're just like, "Mm, I don't know, I don't know about her, I don't know. And we're just like, is there one guy that can like smile at me? You know, whatever. So... The numbers, the numbers game is is crazy making, okay? But you will be paralyzed because really, even if you take into account, you know, to put aside male and female, um, we have got the world at our disposal now. And so you have so many options. You almost have too many options. Um, In the sense that, like, if you look back, how many of you just love to watch, like, When Calls the Heart, or those Hallmark movies, you know, like Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Little little House on the Prairie. I know all the guys are raising their hands. Little House on the Prairie. Um, Okay, back then, marriage was easy because you married the person the next country lane over. They were your option, okay? And as long as they, like, were good people and had most of their teeth, you married them. You married them. That was who you had. Now we have the whole world. And so you have, you know, oh my goodness, you know, this isn't, this isn't enough options for me. So I'm going to go online and talk to someone in Boca Raton, Florida because they're most likely my soulmate. And so I'm gonna go check them out and see what's going on. So as a result, we have this weirdness of like singles groups trading within singles groups of people who are all like on some level dysfunctional and are all looking for something that they don't quite know what they're looking for. But we're just trading, uh, basically trading warm bodies from one to the next online. So it's, it's nutty. If you do not choose, here's a, here's a mathematical uh, stumper for you if you do not eventually choose someone, you will remain single, okay? So this paralysis is keeping us single and we saw the numbers uh, growing. Um, We saw the the first age of of marriage um, growing and there's a reason for that. So it will keep you single. One of my friends, um, in fact, he's one of the founders of Boundless, Mott Brown, uh, told me this story and I thought it was so awesome because it was so true. He was talking about when he met his wife, Beth, and they were both working on Capitol Hill and uh, they just got to know each other. They ended up in a Bible study together, and then they became running buddies. So they were running, and uh, then they um, uh, then they just you know kind of were like pseudo dating. But he was kind of there were some other women he was interested in. So He was kind of holding out for all his options, whatever. Well, it was I'm not even kidding. This apparently happens when you're in D.C. It was the chaplain of the U.S. Senate who somehow knew him, <laughs> came up to him and confronted him and said, what's going on with Beth? And Mott's like, what do you mean what's going on with Beth? We're having a great time. We're hanging out, we're running, we're you know, getting to know one another in, in Bible study. And he's like, dude, you need to fish or cut bait because you are wasting this girl's time. You need to figure out what you are about and whether or not you're even interested in her because as a result, no one else is asking her out. Because you're just like, bite, you know, you're just taking up all her time. And, and Mott was like, you know, he said, it was like at that moment, I realized, yeah, I needed to make a choice. And even though there were a ton of women to choose from in my sphere, he said, I decided after prayer and counsel and whatever, to put the blinders on, focus on Beth, and make a commitment to her and choose her. And once I chose her, she became the one. Because now there's no more choice now he's made his choice. And now he can focus on building their relationship, pouring into her, moving her closer to Christ, building a family together. Um, The opposite end of this problem is um, when we rush into love, we're infatuated and we're like, oh my goodness, everything's so awesome. So this must be the one. So now I'm going to marry you. And then the minute you hit a bump in the road, oh, maybe this wasn't the one. Maybe I made a mistake. And so we're seeing a bunch of breakups, a bunch of relational nonsense, a bunch of divorce because people think they have the one and then the minute something goes awry, they're like, oh no, maybe not. So two opposite extremes, but they're creating and pouring into the same problem. And I like to say, and I hope this is gonna be very freeing for people um, because God is a big God. There are, let's say conservatively, hundreds of people in this world that you can marry, that you can be attracted to, who are actually available, um, that you can build a life with, that you can have children with, that you can serve with, um, you know, that you can grow old with, you need to pick one of those people. And don't be foolish about it. I mean, there are very, we're going to get into that, there are very strict parameters about who you choose and things you should look for, but you, eventually you got to pick one person. And it's not about the one, it is about being the one and choosing once you get married to focus on that person who will be your one. And in that, there's a lot of freedom and I hope there's a lot of hope and a lot of um, that we can all just take a deep breath and be like, okay, the one. And we'll touch on that a little bit more later too. Um, the second one is you haven't grown up yet. And I'm going to go through the. I'm just going to touch on this because we just did a whole talk on this. But um, literally, this is why I'm so passionate about people being in a position to marry if they're going to date. Because kids should not be dating, OK? Mature, healthy people should be dating, Um, and you know, this is why I'm a big fan too, of people reading marriage books. You know, if you haven't read like the meaning of marriage or sacred marriage or some of those really killer marriage books about what marriage is so that you don't go into it thinking that it's going to be the be all end all and singleness is just this waiting room for marriage where you wait for your life to start. Um, Do that. Understand what marriage is about and understand what it means to take responsibility for yourself and your decisions and your growth and your personal habits and your relationships and loving the people around you. Um, Because you you put all that into perspective, you get all that in control, all of a sudden people are going to be like, I need to get to know that person. I need to figure out what they're about. I need to... um, because you, are, you tend to be attracted to the health uh, of the person. Uh, the person whose health mirrors yours, you tend to be attracted to that health. So if you're attracted to users and abusers and you just have gotten caught up in this cycle, there's probably some deeper reflection that you need to do on that front. Um, there are patterns that reflect that. And so make sure... Um, make sure that you've moved in. And this isn't about arriving. This isn't about perfection. This isn't about like, oh my goodness, yes, I now am like moving towards complete spiritual maturity and perfection. No. If you're there, then you have bigger issues than uh, than we can even get into right here. Um, But you definitely um, need to be able to uh, be a grown-up to move towards this. So you aren't dating. This seems very obvious. (laughs) aren't you glad you came today um this is an interesting um i I always make this point and and have people chuckle at it because it's one of those things like where again getting back to my mom like if you were to ask your grandparents what it means what a date is what it means to go on a date they're going to give you a response right away you ask someone under 40 you, you almost cannot get a response from someone. Well, I think it's when you do. I don't know. Maybe if it's maybe if a guy pays, but sometimes I don't know. But I don't really want to make him pay every time because I don't worry. You know, I don't want him to think I'm like a super, you know, super needy person or whatever. I mean, it's just like you can't get a straight answer. So as a result, we have a lot of people who just aren't dating. Um, I spoke a while ago downtown at Colorado College. Um, interesting venue. Um, <laughs> What was fascinating is I did this talk, but they opened it up to the whole campus Um, because really uh, it it is so true that even though we can talk in a very biblical context here, if you're you're like a dating disaster, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Like no non-Christian wants to be used in a relationship. No non-Christian wants to be stuck in something dead end. So the principles apply. So it was a very fun conversation um, because on that campus... Uh, the crew invited me, so they hosted it. But here's all this gaggle of students of various ilks, and it's like the entire campus is hooking up except for the Christians who are doing absolutely nothing. So there was no one. In fact, the leaders of crew there told me that they had been there for eight years and they not one couple had dated in eight years out of crew at Colorado College, so I'm like, oh, OK, well, we need to, we need to get going on that. You know, <laughs> Hence my idea of pairing people up. But um, yeah, no, precious. But anyway, so we've entered, we kind of get into this paralysis of just not, not dating at all. Because we feel like, and some of this comes out of, again, I'm not going to totally bag on the, the courtship model or whatever, but some of this comes out of this baggage of I can't do coffee with someone unless I'm pretty sure I could probably marry them. Um, because that means that now all my friends will be watching, and it means like other people won't ask me out, and it means that you know some the women are going to say I'm a player because I asked more than two people out in five years. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it gets crazy, making we put all this import on it. Rather than, I mean, I remember doing this talk to a, a church one time, and one of the ladies, she was probably like seventy something, she's like, "Oh my goodness," she said, "when I was in when I was in my twenties, she said I'd go out with three guys on a weekend." And I was like, girl, you need to be doing this talk. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is, we need some info here from you. And she was like, oh, they all knew it. They knew that it was just, you know, we're just getting to know people. And that way, you know, and then when my husband came along, I just, I, I knew. I dated all these guys. I just knew who I wanted to pursue something with. And he wanted the same. And once again, you have my mom's story. People just go to basketball games, get married. Um <laughs> But uh, but we can't define dating. It seems where it, it's so difficult for us to even define it, and it it means so much. We put so much import on it. Now, guys, for you, this means, you know, a lot of times you're not going to ask a, a girl out because you're not attracted to her. Um, you know, girls, you're you're not going to accept a date because you just don't feel it um, or feel like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if I could marry them or I don't know if this is, you know, I don't know if this is the right one. Um, it's just, it just is crazy making and we're, we're just at this like standstill. Meanwhile, we see people in the church who are frustrated because they're not dating or we see people, you know, and this has culturally happened and I, I see it infiltrating the church, this whole idea of like, well, we definitely want our young adults to get married, but we don't want them to get married yet. So, And it, largely it's because parents like, are fearful that their own young adults like, aren't grown up enough or can't handle life or whatever, um, are going to make some horrible decision. Um, but they don't want to stay in yet. Yet somehow they think that we're supposed to, you know, we all go to youth group and get the sex talk when we're like 14, but somehow we're supposed to traverse from 14 to like 35 and remain sexually pure, and remain, you know, have the good headspace towards other brothers and sisters in Christ in this in this uh, in this purview, and it's like just the odds of that are extremely difficult, culturally speaking. And so it's like somehow here there's a disconnect and we need to do something differently about it. And so um, meanwhile, you know, so as a result, we see people um, hooking up. We see people cohabiting. um, We see people addicted to porn. We see people um, really um, prisoners to masturbation uh, to, you know, we get that question all the time at Boundless. You know, like I just, I don't know what's biblical about this, but I just feel like this is not right. I feel like it's just way taking up uh, too much of my heart and head, and I don't know what to do, and I'm afraid to ask a pastor. I mean, um, or we're seeing people just cutting themselves off from the opposite sex, avoiding them, dissing them. Um, You know, I can't tell you how many times I have, (laughs) usually if I break out men and women in a a group like this, it's like, and I say, what's your biggest gripe about men or your biggest gripe about It all can be boiled up in um, men are passive and lame, the women will say, and women are catty and crazy, okay? <laughs> and it's just, a, it depends on how much you're willing to put up on that continuum, put up with, uh, as to whether or not you'll date someone or, or be in their sphere or whatever. So we have all these preconceived notions, so as a result, we're just refusing. Um, we're refusing to date and I remember this in my in my space and it's so funny because I had someone ask me this was probably like eight or nine years ago I had mentioned at one point like oh yeah you know and when I'm hoping to get married blah blah and they're like what when did you decide that you wanted to be married and I'm like I always wanted to be married what and they're like I never got that from you And it was so fascinating to me to realize how I had scripted my own life and how I was coming off to other people. And it was this idea of self sufficiency. I mean, when I, when I grew up, I grew up in the California public schools. It's a wonder I can put two sentences together. Um, (laughs) California public schools, and I was getting the script from them. Lisa, no one is going to take care of you. You go out, you get your education, you start in your career, you escalate through that career as much as you can. And someday in the future, if you want to tack on some marriage, you do it on your terms and on your timeline. And it's not like I totally believe that because I just, you know, I was plugged into the church and I knew what God says about marriage, but I kind of like tucked it in the back of my mind because I really did believe that, I don't know, I better, I better not, you know, I better have my safety net. I got to make sure I'm, I'm taking care of myself and stuff. Well, meanwhile, in the church, I just heard crickets, and I saw people with great marriages. My own folks had a great marriage, but I did not really hear anything pro-marriage. In fact, some of the worst things I've heard about marriage have been from married couples within the church, who will tell me, oh, girl, you know, no, don't, don't go into it too soon. Know what you're doing. Make sure, go have fun. Go do another missions trip. Don't, like, I have to get it out of my system or something, you know, um, but what I realized I was doing around guys was I was becoming one of the guys. And it was like this weird asexualization where I was just so determined that I wasn't going to be hurt because I didn't want to act feminine and then be rejected in that. So it was better for me to like compete with the guys intellectually and you know, in, in whatever spaces that I felt I could in the, in the job marketplace and all that kind of stuff. And I found out it didn't serve me well because all these guys thought I was super awesome and super smart, and then they're asking my friends out. (laughs) And they're asking me advice about asking their friends out. Yeah. So um, I found myself exactly not where I wanted to be. So not dating and refusing to date is not the space to be. Well, then your dating is directionless. So maybe you've gotten to the point where you are dating, but you're just caught in some kind of black hole. And you're like, okay, so we're dating. Um, we've now been dating, I guess, if you call it that. You know, for about a year and a half. Um, I am best friends with his mother. Um, we do. I do Christmas with his family. Um, it's all good. You know, we just we have a lot of fun. We have our pet names for each other. We have our designated ringtones. Um, we've got. You're like in this weird void of having a lot of connection but no commitment. You don't know where you stand. You have no end game. You have no timeline. You have no, you haven't defined anything. You are both just kind of like, maybe one person wants a little more definition than the other does, but you don't really know where you stand. And you are dating and you're just hoping either that one of you is gonna get some kind of like divine word um, or that just something will happen. You're gonna, you're gonna just know That rarely happens. Usually a decision has to be made on some front. So directionless dating can be crazy, crazy making. Um, What you are doing is you are playing at marriage without being married. Um, It's extremely, extremely frustrating. I had um, a guy that I dated. Of course, it was a guy I dated. Um, the, (laughs) The person he dated before me, he dated for nine years, Never having gotten a marriage. Now, should I have seen that as a red flag? Oh yeah, no joke. After nine years, this guy and his girlfriend met in a coffee shop and just said it's over and walked out. They had so just like gone down the death, the death road, um, and there was almost like no emotion there. And yet, there had been a decade of his life that he gave up to a relationship. And this was a guy who would tell you out of both sides of his mouth that he wanted to be married and he wanted a family. And there went almost a decade of his life. Um, And there were a lot of things that played into that. And I'm not saying it was only her fault. I'm not saying it was only his fault or whatever. But um, when you do not have direction, when you do not have purpose, and when you do not have accountability in your relationship and where it's going, you know, people that are just like, Ah, I found a significant other. Let me glom onto them and separate from all my Christian community and just stare into their eyes 24-7. You will, you're headed to freaky town for that, okay? Because <laughs> neither of you are good enough or mature enough or know what's up enough to handle that. Um, there is infatuation there. You will full-on go crazy in the first stages of being in a relationship where you do not know. I mean, I, I am a high, how many of you have done the Myers-Briggs? Okay, I can tell you right now that I am higher in the T than anyone in this room. I am like off the charts thinker uh, to the point where I offend my friends regularly. I'll be like, "No, I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying your idea is stupid." <laughs> I'm saying, okay, but I am not kidding you. When I get into relationships, I am nuts. I am all of a sudden like what can I do? I'm just like simpering. I'm crazy. I'm trying to make it work. I'm not objective. I'm not like, I'm just like putting up with total nonsense. Okay. In really bad, bad relationships. I did it. I did it. You guys, um, don't let that happen to you. Um, We see time, you know, again, like I said, this precipitates hookups, it precipitates cohabitation, um, which is why we have to date with purpose, because those people, in fact, I I spoke at Willow Creek, and one of the questions I was asked, well, what about like, what about just friends of the opposite sex living together? Because you never know, something might happen, you know, might work out or whatever. And I'm like, okay, there are some things that are illegal, there are some things that are immoral, and there are some things that are just stupid. And that's, (laughs) that's one of them, okay, because cohabitation, anyone that thinks that cohabitation is going to get them closer to marriage is full of crap, okay? It will not. If you take faith out of the equation, all sociological studies show that it actually moves people further away from marriage, and if you happen to make it to marriage, it produces more dysfunctional marriages. So you have higher rates of abuse within cohabiting relationships and domestic violence. You have higher um, incidence of divorce if you do make it to marriage. You have higher, um, uh, less, uh, less levels of intimacy. You have less levels, ladies listen up, of guys being helpful in any of the household realm, whether that is paying bills, helping around the house, whatever. These guys are free agents, Okay. This is like you have heard the adage about you know the cow and the milk. This makes sense for a reason, OK? And I'm not saying I've seen a lot of guys get used to, OK? So I mean, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that but, um, in the next point. But the fact is, cohabitation is super, super foolish for a number of reasons. There's a reason why Beyonce wanted someone to put a ring on it, OK? <sighs> Um, it matters. It matters. It makes a difference, not only sociologically, but in your entire brain chemistry perspective of how you are looking at the relationship. So don't get stuck in something directionless. Um, And we'll talk about what to do instead of that uh, in the next session. But but levels of commitment, you know, lower. I mean, it's just lower across the board. So don't get stuck in directionless dating. And finally, and this is where everyone is going to be like, hmm, been there. You're stuck in a friend relationship. Okay, I have been in a friend relationship. I want to say I was just in one. There's one that I can think of, but I maybe have been in more. But um, a friend relationship. This is where um, Ashley and Ben are friends, and they start doing a lot of stuff together, and they just get along really well. They met, you know, maybe at their church or small group. But then Ashley starts like liking Ben. Well, she doesn't want to say that because she wants to like, you know, be demure and kind of coy about it. So she just kind of continues playing the game. So at this point, they are like binge watching TV shows together. They go, you know, they always have someone to bring to that work party and the wedding of the friend or whatever. They're kind of like the the little BFF, like, let me do this with you. Um, They've got their Friday night pizza nights. They're hanging out. They're all good. Um, They may even... Know each other's you know Starbucks drinks. Um, they're going to know everything about that person. They're going to be sharing a lot of stuff um, emotionally with one another. Uh, they're just friends. They're locked in. They know what's going on. But now Ashley, because, you know, Ben has given up a fair amount of capital for her and companionship and is there for her, she now is starting to fall for him. Well, This goes on and on, and Ashley starts dropping hints and starts like totally just being in Ben's life because she wants to show that if he would just wake up and look right in front of him, the best woman in the world would be right there. Who has not watched every 80s romantic comedy and knows that that is exactly what happens, Okay, So she's going to bide her time. Meanwhile, she redecorates his apartment. he goes away on a work trip, so she just pops on in and does his laundry for him, because wouldn't that be a blessing for him, just to help him out, and he'll think she's so great, and she knows how to do, do laundry, apparently, which is great, because um, what guy doesn't want that in a future wife? Um, you know, she may just make him a meal here or there, you know, whatever. Um, and then one day, you know, say it's like a year or two in, they're hanging out, and Ben says, um, hey, what do you think about Rachel? Rachel? And she's like, who's Rachel? He's like, that new girl at church. And she's like, whatever, I think she's okay. what about her? He's like, well, I'm thinking of asking her out. Oh, no. Ashley, you guys, is in a friend relationship. Ashley doesn't know what hit her, because (laughs) she put so much hope and all her eggs in this one basket for this guy that she had no guarantee anything was going to come back to her on, okay. This is a great example of a version of a ton of connection without commitment. And there's really no, I mean, she should not have put herself in a position of expecting anything from Ben, because there was nothing put on the table. There was no commitment made. There was no whatever. Now, there's a lot of stuff on Ben in this, because Ben let a lot of things happen and was very assumptive of this. but Ashley also let it happen in that she gave up a ton of herself. She gave up time, energy, companionship, affection. She gave up a lot for nothing in return. And then when Ben comes waltzing in and decides he wants to ask Rachel out, um, at this point she's either you know um, cursing or crying or something. Something crazy pivotal is going to happen here. Okay. I actually had a friend, one of my dear, dear friends, who did this for seven years. So, speaking of the long timelines of things, um, she was exactly in this situation for seven years. And after seven years, she had to break up from a non relationship with a guy because it had become so idolatrous to her that she was full on convicted about it. And you know what? She sat down with him and he's like, What? We were never dating which they weren't but just the whole like it was nothing to him and he walked away like how weird is that you know no we were just friends you know whatever it was like it took her 2 years to get over this she, it was like a divorce for her it was like a divorce cuz she had built up this entire relationship with him in her head that he had no intention of making good on okay now did this guy uh, give her back rubs yeah Did this guy like use her for a bunch of stuff? Yeah. (laughs) But again, she let it all happen. She didn't say enough is enough. She didn't say you will not have access to me until I know where we stand. And so getting stuck in a friend relationship is super, super crazy. I mean, he was just looking for you know, a a confidant and someone to hang out with, kind of a buddy, you know? We have an an article, a long-standing article at Boundless called Not Your Buddy that deals with this. Um, It's one of our most popular articles of all time. Um, But she was absolutely, absolutely devastated. And so getting stuck in a friend relationship is something that is, it will stall you out. I hope it doesn't stall you out for seven years, like it did my friend, but it will absolutely stall you out. Um, And guys, you know, you do this too. You've been like the girl's fix-it buddy. You know, you go come to her house and fix something or look at her car. You're like listening to all her problems and helping You're hurt. Like the, she's crying on your shoulder or, you know, you're picking her up at the airport and all this kind of stuff. And she doesn't have any interest in you. She's not going to take this anywhere. She's not going to respond. Now, if you're not even putting it out there and saying, I'd like to date you, well, then I don't have time for you. You're crazy. But... (laughs) We'll talk about that in a minute, but um but no, a friend relationship is is pretty killer. Um, and it can just it it can devastate again, it can totally, totally devastate you. So um those are the five uh the five big offenders. Um there are a lot of ways that they play out, and we're gonna talk next about what to do about it, how to actually date healthily. How some of this stuff will be very easy, very self-explanatory. Some of it is easy to understand, Hard to do, okay? Um, Because it's going to involve a fair amount of risk and a fair amount of honesty, which apparently none of us in our culture want to utilize anymore. Um, We want to do all the game playing and act like it's going to do something for us. So, um, but once you can clear out the nuttiness and get rid of the stuff that you know is tripping you up, the stuff where you're like, this is not okay. This is, I am definitely settling for something that I shouldn't be settling for. I am definitely stalled out. I am definitely not choosing. Um, to step forward in this, it will clear your headspace to move forward and be able to do things well, um, both honoring the other person and yourself and being intentional in the pursuit. And we're going to get into that next after the break. So, all right, ready? Cool. <laughs>